many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. Why, hello there, folks. It's Boomer Anderson here, your host of the Decoding Superhuman podcast. Superhumans, it's glad to be back and again talking about a subject that has been so near and dear to my heart, quite literally, over the past couple of months. Today, we're doing another deep dive into ketosis, but specifically how to do it through the eyes of either a pescatarian, vegetarian, or vegan diet. Now you may ask, Boomer, in the past, you haven't really done anything on vegan or vegetarian. Are you going that way? No, is the short answer. But I am exploring the pescatarian side of a ketogenic diet for my own health reasons. And that was really the genesis of me reaching out to today's guest, who is the author of a really cool book that you all should check out called Ketotarian. My guest today is Dr. Will Cole. He's a leading functional medicine expert and consults people all around the world via webcam at drwillcole.com. He's also available locally in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Sorry, I'm a Bears fan, Dr. Cole. He specializes clinically in investigating underlying factors of chronic disease and customizing health programs specifically for thyroid issues, autoimmune conditions, hormonal dysfunctions, digestive disorders, and brain problems. Dr. Cole was named one of the top 50 functional medicine and integrative doctors in the nation and is a health expert for mind-body green and Goop. Dr. Cole is the author of the book, as I just mentioned, Ketotarian, in which he melds the powerful benefits of a ketogenic diet with a plant-based one. So how did I come to Dr. Will Cole? It was a recommendation of my own functional medicine doctor to read his book, Ketotarian. And so I reached out and he agreed to come on the show. Now, what did we get into? First, if you're wondering what is Ketotarian, we of course answer that question. How did Dr. Will Cole discover the ketotarian diet after really coming up with a few problems in his own life from following a pretty strict vegan diet? Then I get to ask a lot of questions that I've always wanted to ask about ketosis and really the technicalities of it. When we look at really the pescatarian side of the ketotarian diet, well, really, what fish does Dr. Cole suggest? We talked about fermented soy in general and whether or not it's really endorsed for keto or if it's something you should avoid. We look at bone broth, specifically chicken bone broth and why that can be used. And then finally, we delve into this really cool esoteric concept of sugar alcohols. Are they good for you? Are they not good for you? And the role of dysbiosis in all of that. You're going to want to check out the show notes for this one, which can be found at decodingsuperhuman.com slash ketotarian. That's decodingsuperhuman.com slash keto, K-E-T-O-A-R-I-A-N. Enjoy my episode with Dr. Will Cole. The sponsor for today's podcast is Neurohacker Collective. The chairman, Jordan Greenhall, has been on the show to talk about one of my favorite topics and episodes to date, sovereignty. And the medical director has also been on the show to talk about unleashing your human potential through epigenetics. That's Dr. Daniel Stickler. But why do I love Neurohacker Collective so much? Well, frankly, it upgrades me 
on a day-to-day basis. Actually, I take their products five out of seven days of the week. Their original Qualia stack is something that I absolutely and still thoroughly enjoy. It's packed with over 40 premium brain nutrients to immediately enhance your focus, energy, mood, creativity, and all while supporting your health. Their new flagship nootropic, Qualia Mind, is a premium nootropic supplement that helps support mental performance and brain health. And frankly, with both products, I do not get the crashes that I commonly get with nootropics and other supplements. So I want you to go over to their website and check it out when you have a chance. It's neurohacker.com. And if you subscribe, you get 15% off by using the code BOOMER. If you want to just do a one-time purchase, you get 10% off, again, using that code BOOMER. And while you're there, pick up their free foundational guide to neurohacking. It's definitely worth checking out. But please, enjoy the show. Dr. Cole, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. You know, it's uh, it's my pleasure because I've had the chance to read your book uh, as part of a recommendation from my own functional medicine practitioner, and this is just an honor to actually talk to the author firsthand and get to ask my questions. <laughs> well, I'm happy to talk about it. I could talk about this stuff all day long, so thanks for giving me the, the chance to. Okay, then let's dive into it. For those are, who are not familiar with your work per se, but also this concept of ketotarian. What is ketotarian? Yeah. So ketotarian is my play on words. Is this this amalgamation between the best of being a, a in ketosis, being a fat burner, and the best of being plant-based. So this alchemy of of both worlds, a plant-based ketogenic way of eating. Um, where you don't have to pick one or the other. And I think a lot of people see hashtag keto on social media and they see vats of bacon and cheese and dairy. And yeah, I mean, some people get into that. But when you're talking about long-term wellness, what does that mean? What does that look like for the average person? And I, I knew just from my clinical experience as a functional medicine practitioner that you could still get all the amazing clinical applications of being a fat burner, of being in ketosis, uh, but still eat sustainably and eat good for your microbiome uh, and eat clean. Uh, And that's what ketotarian is. There's a vegan keto options, vegetarian keto options, and pescatarian keto options. So uh, what I call in the book is vegetarian, basically wild caught fish and still plant-centric. So they're all plant-centric, but it just depends on how um, plant-based somebody wants to be. And they don't have to be entirely vegan, but I still wanted to give the vegan eater a home in Ketotarian and give them options because there's a lot of uh, groups online and people asking me, uh, hey, I, 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 how do I do this vegan? Or how do I do this vegetarian? And I, I wanted to give them a resource in Ketotarian. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Now, Reading your book, it, it sounds like you have a little bit of a background in maybe even being vegetarian. How did you, I guess, come to the ketotarian methodology in terms of incorporating ketosis into that that plant-based diet? Yeah. So I was actually a vegan for 10 years. Um, I grew up in a family that kind of was into wellness before it was cool, you know, in the 80s and 90s in rural Pennsylvania. I was not actually like the beacon of, it wasn't Venice Beach as it, <laughs> as it is today, but 
and it's still not, but uh, we were drinking weird adaptogenic tonics and sprouted this and raw that. And, uh, and so that was my upbringing. And then I kind of transitioned into being a vegan after learning about factory farming and the food industry. And with good intentions, I spent my mid to late teens to my mid to late 20s being a vegan vegan eater. And it was the conventional vegan diet. It was higher carbohydrates, lower fat, just innately through the food options that were out there and what vegans were told to focus on. Um, so it was sprouted grains and soaked you know, beans and, and lentils and legumes. And that's by and large the predominance where I got my calories. And it was better than the standard American diet, but just because something's better doesn't mean it's optimal. Over that time period, I slowly, not overnight, started seeing digestive issues and inflammatory problems and fatigue. And now as a functional medicine doctor, I see a lot of patients with good intentions eating a cleaner diet than the standard Western diet, but still struggling. Uh, and that's where I found myself. And I had to transition to this ketotarian way of eating. I didn't call it ketotarian then, but it was this high healthy fat, low carb uh, way of eating uh, from my late 20s. Now I'm you know, 35. So I've been eating this way for a while. And, and that's really was the genesis of ketotarian. And now most of my patients are online. Uh, about 90% of my patients, I predominantly have a virtual functional medicine practice. So I've had a lot of clinical experience since then. Uh, over that same time period in my late 20s to, to now over the past decade, um, seeing what works, what doesn't when it comes to food, and how to really perfect a clean ketogenic plant-based keto way of eating. I, I would love to just like double click on that for a second, because as a person who as of today, I'm following this and I've followed different ketogenic style diets before, how would you recommend for somebody who may not, may be a little bit less initiated in the ketosis world, uh, less fat adapted, if you will, taking on this approach to becoming ketotarian. So for those people, and there's a lot of people out there that are listening to this that I knew would read ketotarian that weren't fat adapted, they weren't coming from the ketogenic world. So I, I had to, and I'm used to this because that's patients I'm talking to, they are eating better than the standard Western eater, but they are still not fat adapted. Uh, so I kept a lot of keeping it simple options, as I called it in the book, just these really easy, let's lean into it ways of being plant-based keto uh, without being so overly consumed about macros and about you know tracking ketones. And all of that's fine if you're a biohacker or if you have a health problem that you have to be managing these things. But I think from the standard, I just want to be healthy person. I want to improve my health. I want to lose weight. I want to gain energy. I want to get improved brain function. That's a lot of people. That's probably, I would say, the majority of people reading ketotin. Um, I, I don't think that you do need to be overly um, focused on these details. I think that you can generally use the food list in ketotarian, focus on these healthy fats, focus on clean protein, moderate that, which really can just focus on eating it because you're focusing on healthy fats. It's naturally satiating, it's filling. So then you uh, eat protein as well, and then you lower carbohydrates. I think if you focus on the general windows of higher fat, moderate protein, lower carbohydrates, 
I think that 90 majority, let's just say the majority of people doing that, eating from the foods in ketotarian, they're going to feel amazingly better. And that's what I'm seeing. That's what I've seen clinically, but more importantly, that's what I'm seeing on social media now with people reading the book. Because I didn't, it's, it's never been a book before, right? It's always been me walking a patient through these these things and finding out what works and what doesn't. So I didn't know exactly what it would look like with a person that I've never met across the world taking the book and kind of doing it for themselves. That's what the book is. Uh, and what I'm pleasantly surprised and happy about is that patients, readers are seeing the same benefits and they're taking pictures and doing hashtag ketotarian and sharing all of this stuff. And what I'm hearing from them is that they're not really tracking all the details. They're just focusing on the foods and they feel great. I, that's what I wanted. I didn't want to be overly dogmatic for most people. Uh, again, some people with health issues or they're just into biohacking, they love this stuff or they need to do this. Um, so that's not them. But I'm talking about everybody else. I think there's a lot of just keeping it simple and enjoying food and bringing a fun back to wellness, which I think is lost a lot of times in the keto world. Mm -hmm. I, I, I happen to fall in that bunch that's very into collecting the data, but uh, <laughs> you know that that's that's just me. I guess on the the side that I found interesting is you have a, a sixty day onboarding process. Uh, within the ketotarian book, what is the significance of 60 days? Is, is that just a habit building function or is it uh, something broader? I'm pretty curious about that. Yeah. So it is partly habit building, but more importantly, it's a physiological uh, transitioning. Uh, so I, you need enough time to build that metabolic transition of being a sugar burner to being a fat burner to allow your body to produce enough enzymes to allow the mitochondria to be properly functioning on fat so it's it's allowing your body to become a fat burner and 30 days there's definitely a place for 30 days and depending on where someone's starting point is you can see amazing changes before 60 days most people will but i wanted to give the average westerner uh, the average reader to make that shift from being a sugar burner to a fat burner. And from a clinical standpoint and just seeing thousands of patients, I know, okay, 30 days sounds sexier. It sounds more appealing, right? But <laughs> I know, realize this isn't a lifestyle. This is not a quick fix. Hey, 30 days and like your problems are solved. This is a 60 day transition because I'm concerned, my priority is sustainable wellness. How do we make this a lifestyle to serve the person as a life, not as another diet to add to your pile of diets? So 60 days to me is a minimum, uh, really. So the publisher didn't love the 60-day thing, but <laughs> I know what works, and that's what my focus was. Mm -hmm. So it, you, they didn't try and sway you with like a 21-day crash diet or anything like that? Yeah. Or even more troubling is when people say seven days. Like, what are you going to see in seven days? <laughs> Fully, you're going to see, you're going to start moving in the right direction. You'll start feeling better. Yeah. But people know intuitively, hey, seven days. Yeah. Okay. I want to see in seven days, I want to see me moving in the right direction. But the idea that you're going to be in full fat adapted in seven days is just unrealistic. Especially if you've gone and gone from being a predominantly glucose burner your whole life, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. So now, Dr. Cole, I want to kind of unpack some of this, this, I don't want to call it a diet nutrition plan, uh, because 
as a person who's actively participating in it right now, one of the areas that I found great and very flexible about it is the addition of fish. And in terms of just fish selection, there's a lot out there about mercury content, etc. Which fish do you recommend for people and which fish should they avoid? So uh, we put the most current data as far as the cleanest fish in on the planet in ketotarian. So I use the environmental working group, a few other resources to kind of focus on the fatty fish, the um, healthy omega fish, and some lower fatty fish too, just to give other protein sources from clean fish options. So as a general rule, you're going to want to pick not the predatory fish, not the larger fish. You're going to pick the smaller fish, wild caught salmon, Alaskan salmon is one of them. Certain trouts are amazing. Sardines are amazing. Um, but the larger fish, like swordfish, they tend to be higher in mercury. Mm -hmm. uh, so the recommendation from the environmental you know, safety uh, committees that are out there, the groups that are out there that are doing research on this, is to limit those larger predatory fish. So that was you know, what I recommended in Ketotarian. And when I have seen patients being fish-centric, if they choose to be vegetarian for these eight weeks of being plant-based keto and having many veg vegetarian and vegan options too, but have these fresh fish, the benefits of these healthy omega fats and these clean protein sources way outweigh any potential for mercury uh, levels because we're focusing on these clean fish. We're not going for the high mercury fish and then eating those uh, you know, three times a day. You know, Perfect. So on the the vegetable protein side, and I do not come from a background of vegan or vegetarian. I'm familiar with those vegetable type proteins. Some of the ones you mentioned in the book are tempeh and natto. Are are you specifically saying that these are home the homemade ones, or can you just go out and use any store bought one? Because some of the tempehs I've seen out there are kind of questionable. Yeah, and that was a decision I had to make uh, in the meal plan and in the. Um in the recipes, there actually isn't any tempeh or natto in the recipes, mm -hmm. but it is in the food options for the vegan keto eater. So you definitely, it is a clean protein if you get good sources of it, uh, and you can buy it in stores and you can find good sources, but you're right, you're going to have to read the label. You're going to have to look for any additives in it and anything that is non-compliant, whatever that may be, and just vet the label. Uh, so fermented soy organic non-gmo soy uh, is is what i would say is a protein option for someone that's eating vegan keto or if someone is vegetarian or pescatarian but they want to have other plant-based protein options uh, i think the tempeh natto are options and the hemp option too the hemp a which is the variation from hemp or hemp foo as they call it these play on words but basically these other plant-based options uh, from hemp instead of soy if you prefer that uh, and then there's other complete protein options too like sacha and chi and spirulina and these other options as well mm -hmm. it's the first time i've heard of hemp food by the way maybe i need to move back to the united states but <laughs> we have it all here <laughs> <laughs> so uh, on the lines of the vegetarian vegan side of the the nutrition plan uh, what other types of sources of, of protein or superfoods do you recommend for people? Because 
I know there's quite a few listeners that are coming from the the Midwest meat and potatoes background and saying, you know, vegetarian, how do I do that? Yeah. So in, in addition to all the vegan plant-based protein options, uh, where you're talking about, talking about nuts and seeds uh, and some basic nuts and seeds too, like almonds and you know, cashews and macadamia nuts and but then these maybe stranger ones like Sacha Inchi has a good, a good palette of the essential amino acids, which are the ones that our body doesn't produce. So when you're entirely vegan keto, you want to make sure you're getting enough of these essential amino acids. Um, and then the fermented soy that we mentioned and the hemp options as well. And the vegetarian options then brings in eggs, which is quite a uh, true blue American uh, breakfast and you know, really, you can use it any anytime in a lot of vegetarian uh, dishes, and we have a lot of options in ketotarian with that. And it's such a superfood in many ways. It's a complete protein, has amazing sources of omega fats and choline, and these amazing nutrients for your brain. And uh, so that would be the vegetarian option. So you do all the plant-based protein options plus eggs. That would be a, a vegetarian ketotarian um, at that point. Uh, so many options, many options for people to try. And vegetables have varying amounts of protein too. So even though they're not complete proteins, if you're getting enough of the essential amino acids throughout the day, patients will have abundant health. And again, it's it's very nutrient-dense diet. We're talking about very nutrient-dense real foods, which is a you know far cry from the standard Western diet, uh, which is very nutrient deficient. So I, I think that even the Midwesterner, or I'm from Pittsburgh, so it's quite the same origins as far as our reference reference point. People love this way of eating because when they start feeling better, that's so encouraging. And it's real food. It's nothing crazy. Um, and we demystify it in Ketotarian that it's not some weird thing. It's really just focusing on real food in a specific way. Mm-hmm. And of course, we'll link to the book as well as some of the resources you've mentioned in the show notes. Now, uh, one exception you mentioned to the, the ketotarian rule or vegetarian and pescatarian rule was chicken bone broth. Do you mind touching on the significance of chicken versus a beef bone broth or some other type of bone broth? So, it, and that was an exception that I made born out of just my clinical experience and just it's a very clean, uh, well-tolerated food for people of you know all different health issues but mainly people when you're talking about gut health and healing the gut and just gentle things on someone's digestion i wanted to bring that in uh from a collagen standpoint uh, and from a real food standpoint there's plant obviously plant vegetable broths and things like ginger broth or galangal broth uh these are very soothing to the gut as well but they don't have the collagen so I wanted to give people a collagenic, collagenic source uh, in the food. And you can, and I mentioned this in the book, you can make fish broth and be entirely compliant to this vegetarian way of eating in ketotarian. But I realized that just talking to people and knowing people over the say, consulting them, most people do not choose to make fish broth. Um, so the chicken broth is one food if if someone's open to doing it they don't have to do it it's not a mandatory uh option uh, or mandate in the book but with something that people want to try it they can have it why i didn't pick beef broth 
was mainly due to just make some concessions on, okay, look, we're, we were being plant-centric here. I didn't want to go too down the rabbit hole of bringing in then beef products for people and just be off message. Uh, I wanted to, I, I was making an, a, a concession on this broth because of the health benefits. So I think a lot of times people coming from the plant-based world could, could at least get around that and it, for the sake of their health. And they would say, okay, I can get around chicken broth. But they, I realized that most people like chicken broth from a taste standpoint. And um, just if they're coming from the plant-based world, just wrapping their minds around going there, they, it's just more likable. I think for many people, I think beef broth can be amazing too. Uh, so I, I just was thinking to be on message with who I'm speaking to in Ketoitarian. I wanted to be a resource for people uh, to eat in a more plant-based way. So I was making a few concessions here and there and chicken bone broth for the sake of somebody's health. Uh, and what I've seen, the transformation that it's done for people over the years, I wanted to include it in the book. That's excellent. And I completely appreciate that. Now, because we haven't touched on it on the show, I was wondering if you can just, just touch on the, some of the benefits of collagen. Because you mention it. I know in the book you also say marine collagen as potential supplements. Uh, do you mind just touching on the kind of high-level benefits of collagen? Yes, and and if someone's not going to make fish broth or chicken broth, they could just have a powdered like marine collagen, fish collagen uh, supplement. They can add to anything really, um, to teas or to coffees or to smoothies or anything, um, soups. You could add into that. The, it's a building block. It's our protein building block to our tissue. So for our skin, for our hair, for our nails, for our gut health, our enterocytes, our gut lining, uh, this is really the building block to really every tissue in our body. And the modern Western diet is, by all accounts, really low from a collagenic standpoint. It's a very low collagen diet naturally, but it's something that it's a resource, it's a, a nutrient, a type of protein that our uh, biochemistry or genetics would have evolved with and humans would have thrived with eating a higher collagen diet. So a lot of health problems that we face today, at least to some degree, are because of a mismatch between our genetics and the world around us. Our genetics are estimated to have not changed in 10,000 years, but yet we went from a high collagen diet to many other things as well, to a really low nutrient, low collagen, just nutrient nutrient-less diet. And one of those nutrients that I want people to focus on is collagen. Uh, so it was just a way uh, for people to, to start realigning their biochemistry, their genetics with the, with the world around them. Excellent. And I, I completely resonate with your point around the 10,000 years, same genetics. It's, it's amazing what can happen when you introduce French fries into that mix, right? Yeah. Yeah, our genetics are, are in a brave new world in many ways. And it's it's just about getting to back to the basics. Exactly. And we haven't even talked about electronics and things yet, but uh, that's, a, that's a separate discussion. Carbohydrates. Um, in the book, we talk, you, you mentioned a little bit about someone looking at uh, gross versus net carbs. Do you mind just going over... I guess for somebody who may have not experienced what gross versus net carbs are first that, and then uh, how measuring your carbs, should you be measuring gross or net? Sure. So a ketogenic diet and ketotarian being a type of ketogenic 
diet, it's high healthy fats, moderate carbohydrate, moderate protein, and low carbohydrates. Uh, so the carbohydrates that we're talking about, and just to maybe to accentuate that point, that it's not a no-carb diet. It's a low-carb diet or lower-carb diet. And that's one of the judgments that I think the ketogenic diet gets of people that do not understand it. We're not saying avoid all carbohydrates. We're talking about just monitoring them and keeping them lower. But because fiber from plant food is by definition a form of carbohydrates and ketotarian is quite uh, plant-based, uh, it's quite fiber rich, which is really good for our health and really good for our microbiome. So it is one of those things that fiber is something that shouldn't be feared. And when you're when it's coming from real non-starchy foods, vegetables, plant foods, real foods, uh, that I don't think that people should be overly concerned with fiber as counting towards their carbohydrates. So if you counted total carbs, you would not be able to have tons and tons of plants, foods in the conventional ketogenic diet. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote Ketotarian, because I saw the way that it was, the keto diet was done conventionally. And it's that they were becoming overly zealous against vegetables, um, and not even starchy vegetables, just really any vegetables. And they were becoming almost anxious and worried and orthorexic about plant foods, of it diminishing their ketosis. So it was really anything that could even potentially lower ketosis was seen as the enemy. Um, and when you're talking about gut microbiome diversity and just avoidance of foods like that, I don't think it's healthy on from a physical level as well as a mental, emotional, psychological level either. So I, I think that the what when we're talking about total carbs and net carbs in the context of real non-starchy vegetables, uh, it's uh, total carbs is the total amount of carbohydrates, including fiber, and then net carbs is subtracting the fiber out, both the soluble and the insoluble fiber out of that. So fiber has been shown to actually improve glucose numbers. It's been shown to increase something called intestinal gluconeogenesis, which is, which is different than hepatic gluconeogenesis, which is making new glucose. If someone has like new, too much protein, uh, that can break down and spike their glucose levels. This is different. When you're talking about non-starchy vegetables, real food, it's been shown to actually improve glucose levels, improve insulin sensitivity. These are things that are important when you talk about ketosis and being a fat burner. And it's satiating too, it's filling, which is another good benefit too to um, capitalize on, to leverage the benefits of. So um, yeah, that's what, that's what the whole argument is. And you, you talk to a lot of people in the keto world, in the conventional keto world, they will say, ah, that's just like fooling yourself. You should only count total carbs. I would agree with that if you're not having real vegetables. I would agree with that if you're just having the bars and the snack foods and the boxed foods that may be keto friendly, but they're giving you the net carbs. I don't know if that's gonna have the same response on your glucose and your insulin levels. A plate of you know spinach or Brussels sprouts. Mm -hmm. and, and I think in the book you mentioned specifically, like if you're eating processed food, look at gross. If you're not eating processed food, look at net. The one other element here that I just would like some clarification on is sugar alcohols. Uh, should we include those? Should they be ignored? How do you look at that? Yeah, so sugar alcohols are considered, you can subtract them out of the total, total carbohydrates. So they 
are going to be negligible amounts, even if you counted them towards your total carbs, if you wanted to. But technically speaking, the way I define it in the book and different resources that I have gone with, um, that the net carbs would be subtracting the fiber and the sugar alcohol, which I should have mentioned. But so that would be the xylitol and stevia and things, not not just the stevia and the sugar alcohol. But I would say these uh, low carb sweeteners, you could subtract them from your total carb count. Um, xylitol specifically and other sugar alcohols. They're not ones that I want people to focus in on tons of anyways, but it's used as an option for people that want to sweeten things up in sort of a ketotarian dessert or something that they would like. They just want to sweeten it up a bit, like maybe like a tea or a coffee. I'm okay with people doing that. Too much of it can cause GI issues. Too much of it could impact blood sugar levels. I don't doubt that for some people that are maybe more severely insulin resistant, but for most people, it's negligible. It's not going to be a major change in their glucose or their insulin levels or their ketones. I could see some people with dysbiosis in their gut focusing too much on it and causing bloating. And uh, at that point, that could indirectly because of the stress and the, they have GI issues and these sugar alcohols can perpetuate that. That could probably impact them probably more than other people as far as ketosis is concerned. But most people... Uh, tolerate those well. They make negligible impact on insulin and glucose. So it's one of those things that typically speaking, you can subtract uh, as far as your total net carb equation is concerned. Okay. So just in summary, I guess, if you have like a dysbiosis issue, or if you're severely insulin resistant, then it may be worth paying more attention to, correct? I would, yeah, I would agree with that. And those people may want to not have sugar alcohols at all then. For a while, while the, while they heal their gut. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question, and this is a question that actually came from uh, my father of all people: <laughs> alcohol. Sixty days without alcohol is that the general recommendation, or is something like a dry farm wine kind of acceptable? What would you say to people? So in ketotarian, I recommend to do, when we do the two months, the eight weeks of being plant based keto is to be alcohol free. And that's just to put a line in the sand of focusing on food and really just having your liver work as well as possible and the gut to work as well as possible to make that metabolic shift to bring sugar burner to a fat burner. After that, I think that a dry farms wine or other organic clean wines out there uh, can be great options for people to have in moderation if it's done in a healthy manner. Um, And there's research to show, and I've seen it clinically, I've seen many cases where this was uh, the case, is that they, it actually improves their ketones, actually uh, increases growth hormones actually in the body and actually been shown to improve ketones for some people. Uh, And lowers their blood sugar, lowers their insulin, has like an insulin lower effect because it's a clean wine, it's low sugar, uh, it's dry. That's not a reason to drink wine, I think, to enhance your ketosis. (laughs) But a wine at dinner, if it's done in a healthy way, I think uh, it's definitely ketotarian compliant. Mm -hmm. And so after the eight weeks, you're able to reintroduce alcohol to a certain extent, and maybe even in the book you mentioned, uh, meat to a certain certain extent. Uh, Would you... Uh, just on, on that, touching on how you would do that. Or I'm assuming these are all grass-fed meats. Would you even introduce something like pork, etc.? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it could look more like a real food, pl- still plant-centric ketogenic diet, where it's really um, it's a, almost a plant-based uh, paleo-like keto diet. I think it could definitely evolve. A ketotarian could evolve for some people into that. Because I realize some people enjoy having grass-fed beef. They enjoy having you know pasture-raised uh, pig or pork meat. Uh, they can do that. Uh, I, I still think it should be almost used as as the condiment, as like the uh, as a side. It shouldn't be the base of their whole meal. Um, so I, they're still plant based, but they can bring these things in uh, as they want to. And then some people will know after they've gone eight weeks being plant based keto in ketotarian that they don't feel as well when they bring the meat back in. Uh, maybe it doesn't suit them to have it that much. They, they will enjoy it every once in a while, but they'll know where they've found their balance to, to having it. it. It's not the central part of their every day, um, but they'll have it here and there. They're still very fish-centric if they're pescatarian options, or maybe they're entirely vegetarian or vegan. So it's really there's room, and that's really the heart of functional medicine. It's what's right for the individual. So there's no hard and fast rule, rules for this. I think it's about... Um, really this concept in ketotarian is, is, is this grace and lightness to food and wellness and finding out what works for your body, being intuitive with what, what, what works with your body. But just to be specific on the logistics of it, I think that, that clean meat can be fine for people. So it's definitely something that you can reintroduce after eight weeks. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Dr. Cole, final four questions, rapid fire, if you don't mind. Uh, first question. What is health to you? Health is just not, it's, you know, this is the saying, but it's not just the absent of disease. It's not just not being on medications. It's, it's about radiance. It's about radiating wellness. And that's on all levels. That's physical, that's mental, emotional, and spiritual. So wellness is such an ingrained part of someone's beingness that is beyond just the physical uh, issues. Uh, So for me, that's part of what I, this is not rapid fire now at this point. Oh, but it's <laughs> fine. Going on it's fine. About it. uh, but I, I want people when they're reading ketotarian to really just enjoy food and just make food your friend and not be this overly arduous thing. And sometimes when we're in this space of wellness, there's just this overly obsession about the, the small details of, of food. And we've lost focus on what's really important which is really loving your body enough to nourish it with good foods and let out of self-respect will flow acts of wellness and health. So that to me is what health is. Mm-hmm. Very nice. And I love that word radiance. It's a great word. How do you enhance focus? What's your top trick for enhancing your own focus? So it is being fat adapted. I, that would be number one. So however you did it. So I would say that, um, being in ketosis, allowing the beta-hydroxybutyrate, the main ketone, pass through the blood-brain barrier, increases BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor, which you need for focus and producing new neurons, uh, lowering brain inflammation. It's an anti-inflammatory epigenetic modulator. Uh, And I would say, so being fat burner and uh, adaptogens, the lion's mane specifically, which also has been shown to improve BDNF. Uh, So it's to adapt to them specifically would be lion's mane and mucuna purines, 
which is it has L-dopa, which is a pre precursor to dopamine. So those are the two two adaptogens. Plus, being in ketosis would be the three focus enhancers I would recommend. Beautiful. You may be biased on this one, but what's your favorite book on high performance? <laughs> other than Ketotarian, <laughs> I'll just I'll give it someone else other uh, uh, answer. High performance. You know, that's tough. I, yeah, I, I, I guess I don't really know one specifically that I would think of. I Spiritual high performance, does that count? That works. Mindfulness? We've had people okay. say the Bhagavad Gita, for instance, as well. Yeah, okay. So for me, high performance, like true high performance, sustainable high performance, when you talk about brain function, activity, like athlete sort of thing, I think has to start with your your spirit and your beingness. So for me, it would be Eckhart Tolle's books, uh, Power of Now and the New Earth. So I think if you get that in check, these are practical tips, you will be a high performer for sure. And then finally, Dr. Cole, where can people find out and learn more about you and your work? Everything is at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And my handle on all social media is at drwillcole on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everything there. And Keto Terry and the links to Amazon and Barnes & Noble is on the website, Mm -hmm. Uh, but you can go there directly too. Perfect. And we'll link to all of this in the show notes. So Dr. Cole, I want to thank you for taking the time today. This has been a pleasure, especially as somebody who's embarking on this ketotarian journey, uh, just to talk and sort of have you directly answer my questions. I want to acknowledge you for the book because the book does a very good job of explaining both ketosis and also this philosophy, which is, uh, which is great. And I, I love it. So Thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, I want to wish you the best with everything and have a great day. Yeah, thank you so much for doing it. Um, you're in, you know, across the world doing uh, Ketotarian, which is really cool. So now the pleasure is all mine. It's my honor to talk to you about this. So thank you. Thank you. And to all the superhumans listening out there, have a great day. Superhumans, before you go, can I ask two favors? Did you enjoy that episode? If so, can you send me an email at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com? Provide any feedback, positive or negative. I would love to hear from you. And for those of you who have really taken advantage of that, you know I respond to each email. Secondly, if you did enjoy the episode, can you head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, any one of your favorite podcast listening platforms, and give Decoding Superhuman a five-star rating. It would really be appreciated. And then finally... For those of you who are looking at taking an informed approach to health, head on over to decodingsuperhuman.com. Check out what we have going on over there. And if you want to schedule a free 15-minute discovery call with me, you're going to have that option. Superhumans, have an absolutely epic day. And remember, as always, choose health.